Well, hey, we are finishing up our series on understanding grace. Week one, we talked about the righteousness of grace. Week two, we talked about the immutability of grace. Week three, we talked about the marriage of grace last week. And if you missed any of those, feel free to go online and you can still view those and make that up. Well, today we're going to be talking about grace versus law and how those things work together. And my prayer today is when we get done with this, that we'll just be overwhelmed by the grace of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, I thank you that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened, that I may know the hope of this calling. Lord, I thank you today that there's relevancy, that there's illustration, that there's clarity. And Lord, we pray that your word will get in our hearts and our mind as we strive to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus made some clarifying statements when he spoke about the law. Because a lot of people have trouble understanding the law and where we're coming from when we speak about the law and grace. So Jesus said it like this. He said, don't misunderstand why I came. I did not come to abolish. Everybody say destroy. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. He said, no. I came to accomplish, everybody say fulfill. I came to accomplish or fulfill their purpose. I tell you the truth, look at this. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear. I want you to see that until its purpose is achieved. So the smallest detail of God's law won't disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore, look at this, if you ignore the least commandment and you're also teaching others to do the same, look what the Bible says. It said, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Notice it doesn't say you're going to hell or God doesn't love you anymore. It just says that you'll become the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone, how many wants to become great in the kingdom of heaven? Anybody want to become great? Okay, so then it says, but anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them, see they're not destroyed, they're not abolished, will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So the first thing we see here is that the law isn't bad, that God, that Jesus didn't come and he didn't say, I'm putting it away. It's no more. I'm not abolishing it. But what he did is he fulfilled the law in every way. The second thing is he said, it's not bad. And he encouraged him not even to break the least of the commandments. And for people that want to be great, really give detail and take strong look at every commandment because that's how you become great is by, is by learning God's laws. And then third, notice it doesn't say you're going to hell. It says you'll just be the least. And fourthly, we are saved by grace, but we need to understand that the law's good It has a purpose for believers and unbelievers. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about four purposes that the law has. I want you to say this with me. Master, mirror, map, and measure. Let's do it again. Master, mirror, map, and measure. I want you to write that down. I want that to be deep in your spirit for these are the four purposes of the law. First, the law is a master. 
Some of your Bibles say a tutor, some of your Bibles say a guide, some of your Bibles say a guardian. But this scripture says in Galatians 4, 3, 24 and 25, it says, So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. In other words, we're made right with God by believing, not by what we do. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer, everybody say under. We're no longer under. Christ didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. So we're no longer under the condemnation of the law and under the guilt of the law, but we're over that through our faith in Jesus Christ. First of all, I want to say the, ma- the, the, the law is a master, a, st- a teacher, a school teacher to bring us to Christ. You know, before Jesus Christ, that law was my teacher. That law was my guide. I walked around, it walked around with me, and there was this big stick or this big ruler that was always teaching me and telling me what was right and what was wrong. You know, so I spent 17 years with, eh, Brian, you missed it there. Oh, Brian, you got that one wrong. Oh, Brian, you fell a little bit short there. Oh, Brian, you should have done that right there. Oh, why didn't you do that one right? Man, there must be a big disappointment. And so that was with me for 17 years before Christ. And so all that did is I saw all the law of God. And what it told me was, I need Jesus. How many saw the laws of God and you're like, I need Jesus. But then after we get saved, because we're in that pattern, that's kind of the way we're rolling because we've been doing it 17 years. We're still like, oh, you screwed that up. Oh, you messed that up. Oh, you really fell short there. Oh, man. And, and all that hit you. So even after Christ, the law is still telling us, everybody say that we need who? We need Jesus. So the law was a master. It set the standard. It, it showed us B.C. and A.D., but what it did is it showed us that we needed someone greater than ourselves to be right with God, and we know that that is Jesus. You know, uh, I thought of a way to illustrate this. Back in high school, back in high school, my uh, history class, uh, the guy that taught that, everybody would be doing their thing. How many remember walking in your high school class, everybody's throwing stuff and everybody's talking and you're, you that didn't you do your homework, you're trying to copy off somebody else and get your homework done and all that. But I remember this one teacher had a big stick. I mean, it was a big stick. I don't know if it was a paddle or what, but all of a sudden he'd walk in, everybody'd be cr- going crazy. Then all of a sudden you'd hear a Oh, I freaked some of you out. <laughs> we would just be like, oh, and he'd yell, quiet! Get quiet in this class. And then he'd say, all right, everybody get your homework out. And because he was my football coach and because I was one of two captains on the football team, he always picked on me. And he'd come out and he'd say, hey, Garfield, get your homework out. And then he'd pick up my homework and he'd look at it and he'd say, This is simply pathetic. You got that one wrong. You got that one wrong. You really missed that one. How come you didn't fill this one in, Brian? What what are you doing here? And he would pick on me and he would point it out and he would bring attention to everything that I wasn't, everything that I didn't know. And then he'd say, all right, jailbird. He called me jailbird because I spent more time in detention than I did in class. He'd say, all right, jailbird out in the hall. So I'd go out in the hall and he'd say, take your homework and go out there and answer all these questions. When you got them right, you can come back in. 
Well, obviously, I would spend the whole class in the hallway <laughs> because I wasn't able to get all the answers. In fact, I'd finally just give up and talk to people walking in the hallway and stuff. But anyway, right across the hall, there was another professor, there was another teacher teaching the very same class, very same class. And I would eavesdrop and I'd listen in and, and as he was teaching the class and, and I was hearing laughter and fun and joy, not quiet, you got this wrong and sticks beating walls and all that. And, 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 then, and then I would, I would hear the class interacting and people having fun and I'd sneak over there and listen. And then I'd hear the teacher say, hey, if you don't get this, you can come up before class or after class. I'll be glad to help you or I'll meet you after school. There was a warm, sympathetic, loving teacher that wanted to help them. It wasn't a master, it was grace and sympathy. And I want you to, I want you to see the difference between the law today. The law is impersonal. It's cold. It's letters. It's, there's no emotion in the law. It's just, thou shalt not, thou shalt. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. And, and sometimes it feels like it's picking on you. And sometimes it feels like it's pointing everything out that you're not. Well, all that that is for, it is the standard of God but all that's for is to say, hey, maybe you need to transfer out of that one class and transfer into this other class because there's a warm, sympathetic, caring person that'll take time with you. And his goal is to help you make it, not just tell you what's wrong with you. So I want you to see the law versus God's grace. The law is good, but aren't you glad grace came? Anybody out there say amen? Aren't you glad that grace came? So the first thing the law does is it gives, is it is a master. It comes across as a master, okay? Well, the second thing is the law, everybody say, is a mirror. Is a mirror. If you're watching online, type mirror in the chat. Mirror. The law is a mirror. Look at this scripture in James chapter 1, verse 23 and 24. It says, anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it, say, it says, is someone who looks at himself in the mirror. Think about getting ready today. You guys shaving. You ladies curling on your hair, fixing yourself, putting makeup on. You look in the mirror, seeing some blemishes, covering some wrinkles. <laughs> Try covering a bald spot. <laughs> uh, you, but you see yourself in the mirror. You see, you, you start picking yourself and you start. So law's a mirror. And after you look at yourself, the Bible says, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, everybody say intently, into the perfect law. See that? Into the perfect law. When we look intently into God's perfect law, look what this does. It gives us freedom. And, it continue, and when we continue in it, not forgetting what we've heard or what we've seen, but we start doing it. We start practicing it. And Ken, you and I talked about practicing the word. Or maybe that was Chad. We were talking about practicing the word. And it says that when we do that, we will be blessed in all that we do. How many is looking to be blessed in all that you do? So when we look into the mirror of this word, this scripture is just simply saying, hey, look at what you see. Be honest with, hey, this is where I'm at in my marriage. This is where I'm at as a husband. This is what I see. 
Uh, somebody talked to me today coming into church and saying, man, I let my mouth get away from me and I said some stuff I shouldn't have said. He said, I called my mom and pastor, this was so cool. She said, hey man, God forgives. God forgives. So when you look into the law, guys, how many say it's good to look into the law? It's good to look at the standards and the expectations, okay? We're going to talk about that in, map, in the map. But when you look and when you see those things, don't pick yourself to death. Don't beat yourself. Don't let the law be a master with a big stick that's just cranking you on the head. But see grace helping you. Because this perfect law gives the freedom. How many want to know truth? The Bible says you shall know truth. You know, I appreciate when a brother or sister speaks truth to me. Somebody that loves me speaks truth to me because truth sets me free, free. So the word's a mirror. The word's a mirror. It reflects the moral standards. It, re it reflects what we're supposed to do. And, um, you know, if I was to say, is stealing right or wrong? If I was stealing right or wrong, what is it, right or wrong? It's wrong. Well, how'd you know it was wrong? Well, the Bible says in Romans 7, 7, it was the law that showed me my sin. It was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known coveting is wrong. I would never learn, know that stealing was wrong. I'd have never known these things were wrong if the law had not said it. You must not covet. So we see that the law does have a purpose, but the law needs to be mixed with grace and God needs to, actually it doesn't need to be mixed. Seriously, I don't think you mix them. I think we're grace or we're law. And I'm personally a person of grace, but I know the purposes of the law. Is anybody with me? Hey, you're not going to be justified by God by your works. Period. Period. That's why I say I'm grace. But saying I'm grace doesn't mean that I ignore the laws. It doesn't mean that I don't look at them, that I don't know that that's God's standard. But I'm not, a, I'm not mastered by the law. I'm not condemned by the law. I'm not pushed down by the law. I'm a grace person. Say I'm a person of grace today. I'm a person of grace today. Grace empowers. Grace helps us through. So, so we see that um, the, the, God puts perimeters on us to protect us. I remember when the Lord told me, said, God, Brian, my laws aren't to restrain you or to be mean or to bully you around and to say, do this, do this. My laws are protect you. My laws are to protect you. God desires that people wouldn't steal because when we steal, it hurts that person. It hurts the parents. It hurts his friends. It hurts his family. It's not thou shalt not steal. It's talking about how it hurts others. And also stealing hurts the one that you stole from. Think about that. It hurts his family. It hurts his income. It hurts his friends in business. So the law, I want you to get this. The law reflects, reflects the perimeters of God or the boundaries of God. God does have perimeters and boundaries. It's either Ecclesiastes 8.10 or Ecclesiastes 10.8. But it says that when we stay within the hedge, the snake won't bite us. But if you get outside the hedge or the protection of the Lord, you're apt to be bitten. You're apt to be bitten by the snake. So the law is perimeters that we stay inside. But those perimeters, everybody say, is protection. Those perimeters are protection. So, so they're perimeters. The law is for us. It's to help us. 
Now, I want you to write this statement down. The law reflects the perimeters of God's desires. The law reflects the perimeters of God's desires. The law reflects the perimeters of God's desires, but, but it doesn't reflect the perimeters of his, what do you think I'm going to say? Love. Love. The law reflects the perimeters, but the law does not reflect the love of God. For instance, parents, if you had a child, if you had a child And I'm not even going to say it like this. You you could have a child that loves God with all your heart. How many have something in your life that you know isn't in the perimeters of God? Raise your hand. You've got, every hand should be up, by the way. Every hand should be up. That we all have some things that we're not in the perimeters of the Lord. But I want you to remember that just because you're not in the perimeters of the Lord doesn't mean you're outside of the love of the Lord. Like I, 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 the example that comes to my mind is a child can love God. And I'll even say this, a child can love God with all your heart. Don't you judge. Don't you judge what I'm getting ready to say. Don't judge this, this person that, that I would bring up. A child, because just like you, you can love God with all your heart, but you can have a hang up. A child can love God with all their heart, but they may choose to live with their boyfriend or girlfriend outside of marriage, okay? That would be, in the world's standing, standards, in the world's teaching, they would say, oh, that's okay. It's all right to do that. But in God's standing, is that okay? It's not. But I hope you don't hear me judging you because I don't. I don't. Yes, it's outside the perimeters of his standard, but yet you're still not outside the perimeters of his love. That's what I would do with my kids. When I see my kids outside perimeters as a parent, do your parents stop loving them? You don't stop loving them. Thank God that when he sees us, you you know, I feel a little bit of of something in here where people may not think they have anything they're dealing with. Watch out for pride here. Everybody has a perimeter that you're not walking in, Mr. Ego, Miss, Mrs. Ego. Everybody does. So how can you throw judgment at other people when you've got the same things? Okay? And what I want you to know is sometimes we get out of the perimeters or the standards. I do. But it doesn't. I never can get out of the parameters of his love. Did you get that today? Did you get that today? So the law, number one, is a master. Everybody say master. The law, number two, is a mirror. The law, number three, is it's a map. Everybody say map. If I was to walk, if I was to get up here and walk to the edge of this platform, my mind would automatically tell me, don't do this step. It it would tell me to turn around. It would tell me to take another way. It would be my map or my guide of protection. Your word, the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. God's word helps us to be a north star. How many know there's nothing that's a north star in this world? We need a north star. God's word is a north star. God's word helps you navigate through any place in life. How to be married. 
how to raise kids, how to deal with a relation conflict that's out of, out of sorts, everything we need, how to run a business. It even talks about health and fitness. I mean, when we see health and fitness programs working, they, they probably don't know it, but they got it right out of the Bible. Um, because the Bible shows, it's a map. God's word is a map. It helps me to understand clearly. Did you know, I want you to get this. Did you know that God never intended for humans to choose between right and wrong? I want you to think about this. We're going to go a little bit deep. God never intended for humans to have to choose, is this right or is this wrong? The law says this is right, this is right, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is right, this is right, this is wrong, wrong, right, right, wrong, wrong. God didn't intend relationship to be that way. He never intended us for us to choose right, right from wrong. When God created Adam and Eve, he put two trees in the garden. How many know there are two trees in the garden? There was the tree of life and the tree of life, he said, eat this one. You'll live forever. You'll be in relationship with me. We'll be in loving unity. We'll have compassionate love. We'll have compassionate friendship. We'll be able to walk together and talk together and live together. Eat this tree, the tree of life. Now, there's a tree of knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Remember the law tells you what's right and wrong. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil over there. He said, don't eat of that one. Don't eat of that one. What is the law? It's the, it's the knowledge of good and evil. It's the knowledge between right and wrong. God never intended us to have to sit here and choose, 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 choose. In fact, listen to this. The choice of two trees was really not a choice of right or wrong. Listen, but it was a choice of life or death. Come on, get that. It was a choice of life or death. When you, the law, Paul said, man, before the law, before the law, I was alive to God. I was in relationship with God. Before the law, I was alive to God. But then sin came, and I, but then sin came, and I, re, and, and, but then sin revived, the law came, and it says that he died. So, so God never intended for it to be a choice from right and wrong. Really, it's a choice for life or death. Because listen, when you choose to say, hey, I'm a person that's going to live by the law. My philosophy is when I get to heaven, it's going to be how much good works I did. Was I a good person on this earth? Did I do this right? Did I do that right? Guys, that will not get you in heaven. That's a person that said, I'm going to take the path of the law. If you, decide, if you decide to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what you're doing is you're really eating death. Because what the law cannot do, and that it was weak through sinful flesh, God sent his son and condemned sin in the flesh that we might be given his righteousness. So if you're going to be a person of the law, then you're going to be under that master. You're going to be under that condemnation. You're going to be under that guilt. You're going to be under that, you need to, this is right and this is wrong and this is right and you really did that wrong. I'm not going to be under that. I choose to stay and eat of the tree of life. Did everybody get that point? How many got that point? Really your choice 
when it comes to law and grace, really your choice is, are you going to live or are you going to die? Because if you choose the path of the law, you can never fulfill it. And the wages of sin is death. And the law shows you, you have sinned. But grace came. Anybody out there? But grace came. And now, man, I'm back to the Garden of Eden. I'm back to eating from the tree of life. And I stay plugged into that one. So, the law, everybody say the law is a master. The law is a mirror. The, The law is a map. Okay, say that again. The law is a... The law is a, let's do it from the top. You're going to get this. From the top, the law is a loud. The law is a, the law is a, okay. Third thing is the law is a measure. It's a measure. It's a measure. It helps you understand and it helps you measure your progress. It helps you measure progress. It helps you measure how you're doing. I know where some of your minds are going. Well, you just told me we don't. Stay with me. It helps you measure what we're doing. The law is a measure for you. It's never intended for you to measure someone else. I want to say that again. The law is a measure for you, Denny. It's a law for you. Everybody say me. It's a law for me. It's not a law to measure everybody else. I told you a few weeks ago, it drives me crazy. Every church has their big 10. Every church has their big four. Well, if you go to this church, then don't do this one, don't do this one, and don't do this one. And if you aren't doing those things, you're in great fellowship with our church. And if you go to this one, they kind of emphasize this, this, and that one. And when you're doing this, this, and that one, then you're really in good fellowship. People even do that in relationships. Uh, it, it drives me crazy how someone can, can judge one particular sin and make it higher than something else. Why do we do that? You, you know what? It, I'll tell you why we do it. Sorry, I'm going to get tough on you here a minute. I'll show you why you do it because we're self-righteous. We're self-righteous. And we, if we can step on somebody else and make ourselves feel better, we'll do it. Bless God, I don't drink, cuss, and smoke. But man, I got the biggest gossip and tongue, and I'm the meanest and cruelest person where nobody wants to be around me at work. But bless God, I got these down. And I look down my nose at you that are doing these others. Ooh. Boy, that irritates the crud out of me. I'd like to take that stick that we talked about earlier and smack those kind of people up the side of the head. I'm going to tell you why it does it. It breeds competition. Even the spiritual leaders of, that, of the day of Jesus, they were like, who's got the longest robe? Man, when I give my money, I'm going to ding it in the, when you put your money in, it would ding, ding. Man, I'm going to get as many dings as I can. When I get up and pray, I'm going to pray this wonderful, extravagant prayer in King James Version. <laughs> oh, if thou lovest me today, oh God. Uh, and the, it, it, it's competition. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And so many people in this room do it. So many people watching online do it. I'm telling you, the law is a measure for you. 
The law is a measure for you. Even when we get into people that's marriages are in a crisis, you still got that husband picking his wife away. Well, pastor, you get them alone, they act all humble, and then they start telling you every single fault about their spouse, and they can't think of one about themselves. That's a problem. Oh, my kids. Well, you're the parent. You got the authority. Parent, it's always the kid because we're the parent. That's not true. Sometimes the kids are right. Sometimes the kids are right. You're all wrong. Why is it we're that way? The law is sent to be a measure for who? Who's the law sent to be a measure of? And here's the other thing we do is we start measuring ourselves on others. We find the least spiritual person we can and start measuring our, what we think is spiritual. And then we start measuring, our, oh, I'm feeling pretty good how good I'm doing in God. Bless God, puff me up, give me a dose of pride so I can keep on displeasing the Lord. <laughs> the law is a measure to see how we are doing. It makes us better. It makes us better when we know what God says about things. Amen. Man, I'll tell you where I got balance on law and grace is God made a promise to Abraham. And he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to give you the gates of my city. And, I, and I'm giving you my promise. And when we did immutability, I'm giving you my promise. And then I'm swearing on my promise that I'll do it. How many remember that message? Okay, same thing with the covenant of Moses. Hey, God doesn't enter into covenants and then just break them off down the line. That's why you have to say that Jesus came and fulfilled. The key is we're not under the condemnation of the law. Okay, so I'm going to illustrate this on the laws of major. Pastor Clark Witten, in my opinion, he's one of the few people that I've read, but he uh, is one of the best preachers on grace. If you want to look him up, his name's Pastor Clark Witten. He told a story in a, in a book that I was reading that happened to him while he was in seminary, semin, seminary, 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 seminary. Um, he was taking an ethics class. Everybody say ethics class. They covered chapter one and then they took a test. And after completing the test, the professor got up and he said, everybody done with your tests? And he's like, okay, yeah, we're done. He said, okay, now grade your own test. Pastor, Pastor Clark, the guy right, and said, being the brilliant soul that I was, I got this figured out. This is ethics class. We're going to grade our own tests. We're going to pass them in. We're going to see if we cheated, if we grade the test correctly. And, and he might use some of us as examples or whatever, but this is ethics class. I need to do really good at grading this test. So the professor, after that, he went through some of the, and he went through how he wanted them grade the test and, and how he wanted to do that. And what I saw in the book, it said this, that the professor was very meticulous. He said, if you do this, count a full point off. If you do this, count a half a point off. He even broke it down in quarters. If you do this, just give yourself a quarter, a quarter off. So he's real meticulous in how he had him grade the test. So Pastor Clark, he graded the, te the test just like the professor said. The, pro the professor then got up and said, okay, after you grade your test, figure up your score, 
and take it and put it in the top right hand of the corner. So everybody's figuring it up, figuring out their score. They put it up in the top right hand of the quarter. Then the, of their page, then the professor came up and said, okay, um, you can put your test away, turn to chapter two. And the students were like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Don't you want our test papers? And the professor said, no, I don't want them. Well, wait, 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 wait. Well, what do you want us to do with them? I don't care what you do with them. Well, how are you going to grade us? We're, we're not talking about grades today. How did you do? Put it away. And the students were like, wait, 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 wait. And then the pastor finally stood up. The professor stood up and he said this. Try to grab this. This test that you took today is like all tests in life. It's not to show me, the professor, how well you are doing. It's to show you. Eric, you're bringing the music up. Or a, a, train, a sound man in training. How well you are doing. It's to show you how well you are doing. The test you took is not for my benefit. You took the test for your benefit. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say something to you today that may seem a little bit shocking to you. Everybody ready for this? Look at me. Everybody look at me. I want to say something. The law is a test that God does not grade for believers. The law is a test that God does not grade. Notice grade for believers. You say, well, I just don't know about that. I don't know about that. Ha, ha, ha. I just don't know. You're, you're rattling my theology. Okay, but according to the Bible, if you miss just one, you miss them all. The Bible says in James 2.10, if a person who keeps every law of God there is, but makes one little slip, he's just as guilty as a person who has broken all of them. If you miss one, if you miss one, then you don't have a perfect score. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think about this. The law is a master. It's a mirror. It's a map. And it's a measure. God is saying today that I have a test for you. And if you, if you just miss one, then you've missed the whole test. And by the way, if, if, if I want you to know you've been taking this test since you were born. And one more thing, you've already failed this test before you even get started. I have a test for you. But then he says, but listen, here's grace. Here's Jesus. Jesus took the test and he scored a perfect score. My son not only died for you, but Jesus lived for you. The Bible says that he came and in the flesh condemned sin in the flesh. The Bible says that he took all the handwriting and the blotting and the mess ups and he took and he nailed them to the cross. And if you'd like, you can have his grade this morning. How many of you want his grade this morning? With your heads bowed, amen, just lift your hands up to the Lord and say, I want your grade today. I want your grade today.
Lord, I know that I mess up. I know that I have failures. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not outside your grace. I'm not outside your love. Lord, today I don't choose that master that beats me with a stick, but I go into that other history class that works with me, that helps me, that's loving and kind and caring. What grade do you want today? What grade do you want today? You get that grade through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, I'm now at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's given me access into his grace whereby I can stand. Everybody looking at me today, every morning, every morning, every morning, when I pray our Father which art in heaven, every morning I say, Lord, thank you that I've been justified by faith and I am now at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Every morning I say that. And I say, every morning I say, I can come into your throne today. I can be right where you are in heaven today. Every morning I say, Lord, thank you. You're Jehovah to Sid Canoe. You are my righteousness. You took my sin and gave me your righteousness. Every morning I say, Lord, you're Adonai Makedesh. You have perfected me forever while I'm being sanctified. Every morning I say this, and this is what I wanted to say to you. Every morning after I realize that I'm at peace with God and that I'm walking in and I'm eating of the tree of life, and I'm sitting in the throne room of God every day I do it every day I do this I'm sitting in the throne room of God shalom means peace I always say shalom father and I hear God say good morning son and then I'll say shalom Jesus peace Jesus and then I'll hear Jesus say good morning brother and then I'll say shalom Holy Spirit And then I'll hear the Holy Spirit say, good morning, friend. You ready to have a good day? That's relationship. How many want to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. Let's stand to our feet, Braden. Sing this song. Praise the one who sent me free. Man, that don't sound very convincing. Come on, let's be convinced. Hallelujah. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my
I want to give everybody in this building and everybody that's watching online today, I want to give you that opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Is that all right if we do that? I want everybody to have that opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes, I want to ask you a question. If you were to die today or Jesus were to come, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? I want to ask you another question to that same person. Are you living in relationship with Jesus Christ? Is every day, is God in your heart, is God in your mind, are you living in a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you're not, if you're watching online or you're in the house, if you're not walking in relationship with God, nobody's looking around. I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you today. Anybody in the building, just slip up your hand and say, I'm not walking in relationship with God. Those online, I'm not walking in relationship with God. I see that hand. Anybody else say, I'm not walking in relationship with God today, but I want to. Anybody online, lift up your hand. One more scan. I'm looking across the building. If the Holy Spirit's knocking at your heart's door saying, I want to be in relationship with you. Just slip your hand up. Anybody else in the building? Church on the Rock, pray this prayer with me. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Salvation is what we seek today. Relationship with Jesus is what we seek today. And today, Lord Jesus, through the law, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need to accept your grace. And right now, Jesus, I say I'm a sinner and I believe you died for my sin. And I believe that you rose so that I can rise in new life. So right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I want to live for you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Everybody give the Lord a hand clap for those who did that today. Now I want to pray for those who live in condemnation. That you think God's got a big stick over your head. That he's always beating you down and beating you up. I'm also praying for the person today who's always beating others down and beating others up. It may be because you're feeling beat up of God. So Lord, right now, I just break that spirit. That I break that spirit of condemnation. I break that spirit of shame. I break that spirit of, of fear and guilt and shame. And Lord, we realize that sometimes we get out of your perimeters, but we're not out of your love. Right now, say, Lord, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're sanctifying me. I thank you that you've perfected me forever as I'm walking it out. Lord, I thank you for giving me of my past sins, my present sins, and my future sins. Lord, I thank you that I'm right with you by believing in Jesus Christ.
If you're in a marital crisis today, if you're in a relational crisis today, if you're in some kind of, any kind of crisis today, the Bible says the law is a measure. It measures how you're doing. And right now I want you to take your eyes off your spouse. I want you to take your eyes off that business partner. I want you to take your eyes off that person you're out of sorts with in relationship. And right now I want you to put your eyes on your own self and let the Holy Spirit show you something. Let the Holy Spirit show you some place that he wants you to grow, that he wants you to change. And right now, if you're in a marital situation, I want you to pray, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me see my, help me see my things. Help me see what it is with me. And then begin to thank him that your marriage, thank him that your marriage is whole. Thank him that any relationship, there's conflict. Thank the Lord that that, that, re, that conflict is healed. Thank him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have some deacons at the front today, a couple deacons. Um, even though we're in COVID, we ask everybody puts their mask back on as we depart. But even people that need prayed for it, you can come up. We, we still practice the social distancing, but we're going to pray for people today. If you have anything you need to pray about, come forward. Hey, God bless you. We got an amazing week next week. This series over. God bless you in the name of the Lord.